buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. All right, sales hustlers, welcome to another episode of Sales Hustle. Today, I've got Adrian Miller. I'm excited to jump in and have her share some of her knowledge with you guys. I had the pleasure of interviewing Adrian before on another podcast, um, but this time we are going to talk about what Adrian loves, which is sales. Adrian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It is great to be here again. Awesome. Yeah. So just tell folks, you know, quickly how you got into sales and then we'll take it from there. Okay. So I think most people get into sales in a somewhat overused word alert, organic way. Mm -hmm. They didn't um, major in sales. They possibly majored in philosophy or anthropology or something like that. Some liberal arts that when you get out, you say, now what do I do? Um, And so they took a position in sales because it's often a a pretty good entry-level position. Um, They bring you in, they train you, they figure you're going to hustle. You learn the product of service. Um, they train you in sales sometimes and set you out and hopefully you'll make it and like it. Or if you're not, you're gone. Um, and I was kind of like that in that, um, I, (laughs) my majors in college and grad school were not necessarily career friendly. So I found myself, uh, working not necessarily in sales, but in account management And what I found was sales was very instinctive for me. Like I constantly was presenting stuff and looking for upselling opportunities and cross-selling opportunities. And I didn't even call it that. I didn't even know those were the words. But it's something that I do intrinsically and really enjoy doing. And it's a skill set I think every single person has to have, even if your position is archaeologist or sociologist or actually what you did study in college. Because is it not sales when you talk to your friend, your spouse, your cousin, your partner, I don't care who it is, and you want to go to one destination for a vacation and they want to go to another one and it's a real stalemate. And don't you have to sell them 
on the idea of your destination, the benefits of going there versus where they want to go, of course that's sales. And is it in sales if you want to buy one car and someone else that you're buying it with wants another? And on and on and on and on. It's it's really persuading someone to do something that you honestly believe because you're really not not a scummy person. You really believe it is the best action and the yeah. best decision for them. I, I love that. Um, and I'm a big believer. Everybody's selling something, right? And you laid out um, many different examples that people may not realize. Oh, I, I am selling something at some point. Um, my favorite example is I got to sell my kids on eating their vegetables. And that's a hard sell. <laughs> you know, kids are, in my mind, kids are the very, very, very best salespeople. And I can truly remember this dialogue. I'll make it shorter because it went on for too long. Yeah. Mom, I really want to go out and play. No, Nick, you can't go out and play. You have to do your homework first. Mm -hmm. I promise you I'm going to still have time to do my homework. I will only be outside for an hour. Nick, you've said that before. Really, I'm not 100% sure I believe you this time. No, Mom, I, I promise you I'm going to do it. No, I think this is a day you really should stay inside and do your homework. No, but Steve and John are outside, and they're going to help me with my hockey skills. And I know you really want me to make sure I'm on the A team and mm. on on it goes, presenting benefit, presenting feature, cross-selling, and making it that you are actually second-guessing your parental guidance about not playing outside to the point where I think a huge percentage of people, it's not like they only give up because we get beaten down by them anyway, but they actually say, you know, Nick is right. I do want him to learn a little bit more about hockey. And yeah, he's pretty good in school. He can do it at six o'clock. He doesn't have to do it at four o'clock. And you convince yourself. And isn't that what good sales is? Laying it out so somebody convinces themselves that you, the position you want, what you're trying to persuade them to do, is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, no. best. There's so many things that we can unpack in there, right? So like persuading, I love that you use the word persuading because people can, uh, can often have a misconception of persuading. They think persuading is a bad thing or a negative thing. And if you're persuading people for, with good intention to help and serve them in a positive way, persuasion is totally fine. Um, I have a friend, Jason Cutter, who wrote a book called Authentic Persuasion, which goes into that. And it's a really good read and I highly recommend it. Um, but also something that's interesting about the, the dialogue that you laid out between you and your son wanting to play hockey and you wanting to do homework is, you know, your son or your family or whoever, you know, whoever's listening. Right. Somebody who knows you well, knows some of your you know, motivations and they know how to, they know enough, they're armed with enough information to tap into things to persuade you, right? So that's why I think it's so important to get to know your prospects and go deep in the beginning steps of that relationship of understanding them um, so that persuading them with good intention 
um, can be much easier. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I 100% agree with you. Just to reiterate, persuasion's not a dirty word. Yeah, people think of sales, people who have negative impact, ne negative ideas about sales, and hence persuasion. It's we're always trying to persuade. It's the uh, cliche, sell ice to Eskimos mm -hmm. and sell people things they clearly don't need. Or want, okay? Because I think there's want and need, and that's a whole other separate topic. So it's not a negative thing, okay? You're persuading because they have to have the core improvements laid out for them. If I'm going to avail myself of something, I'm going to be able to see a tangible improvement in my life, professional or, or personal. Mm. And... It's up to us as a salesperson to do that in a, in a very logical way. Doing your homework about the prospect mm. is cool. If you don't, then you are selling iced Eskimos. And I'll tell you, the, the example that smacks me in the face every single day and blows me away is on LinkedIn now. So you can find out a fair amount about me on LinkedIn because I'm one of those people who probably has run on at the mouth too much on her profile. And so I've got all sorts of stuff and I've got videos, probably the last uh, podcast you and I did, and I've got videos and I post every day and I have all this stuff. And then I get a direct message from someone who who's trying to sell me something that bears absolutely no relation to anything you could possibly uncover in my profile in a probably 30-second scan. Mm. And I have gotten, you know, I used to just completely delete, 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 not answer. And I've gotten, I've gotten cranky. And, and I've written back things like, didn't you even? Oh, and of course, I've been called Mr. Miller. I said, yeah. How? so well, that meant you actually didn't even look at my picture. But um, I, I write back, did you even look at my profile? Are you, a, are you some automated system and you're just sending out mass volumes of this bullshit? Mm -hmm. And because if you were a, a real human, let me just express this is the wrong way to go about this because you in fact have uncovered nothing and what you are selling has no um, alignment with what you can read or see. And therefore, and since you don't know me, you can't make that leap to assuming that I would want or need this. I mean, if you knew enough, maybe you can make that assumption, but you can't do it based on the fact that you've done nothing. So it's a little bit lazy not taking the time to do that. Um, the information about all of us, you don't have to do war and peace. You don't have to do one of those deep dives that take you, and because if you do, you won't have enough time to do enough business development. You don't have to take an hour. You don't have to look at my LinkedIn and then go to the website and then go to my bio and then cross-reference it on Google and then go to Google, Google Images to make sure that if I say I'm a speaker, there I am, yo, on a podium. You don't have to do all of that, but you got to do a little bit of work. Because that's part of the job. And um, if you do that and then actually you make a powerful statement that shows that you've done that, even, I'm interested at least in talking to you. And isn't that the first step?
Mm. You want to have a conversation somehow, some way. So um, we've gotten, you know, we've gotten a little bit, I don't know if it's too needy, too lazy, um, or we there's too many people who think the more you throw out against the wall, something is, quote, going to stick, yeah. and I'll, I'll be able to scrape that off. It's not the way, it doesn't give me pleasure. I, this is the kind of way I earn my living, and I spend a lot of hours doing it. I want to have fun. Yeah, and and even beyond that, like it, you know, in building relationships, which is a foundational piece of sales, it's all about building trust and rapport, right? So that really yes. hurts that the first yes. interaction yeah. is like, I don't trust this person. They're lazy. They don't, they didn't do their homework. They really don't care. They just want to waste my time. So you're hurting yourself so much by not doing that. And, 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 and like Adrian said, you know, sales so, so, so you don't have to do a ton of research. Maybe just take little one little tidbit from somebody's profile and throw it in there. And Maybe you don't even have to be, you know, there's a lot of conversations about personalized, how personalized, some people go deep, you know, maybe if you're in enterprise sales, like you really need to go deep on the personalization in your homework. If you're selling a more commoditized product, you know, maybe it's just saying one thing that stood out on their profile, um, or maybe it's none, like just don't say something, like you, maybe you don't need to go personalized, but don't say something that totally contradicts you know, that this person is like, don't reach out to a marketing person offering marketing services, right? <laughs> or something like that. Um, or, or reaching out to a woman and saying, dear Mr. Miller. Yeah. Yeah. That's another horrible example. Right. So, and you know, you, you don't have to put a ton of time in it and maybe you just have some sort of power statement that can pique some interest. Um, but you know, what doesn't work and I see it all the time and I know exactly what you're talking about is these four par paragraphs in your LinkedIn DMs, right? And I'm a pretty open connector myself for the most part. Um, but as soon as you start sending me these four paragraph DMs and spamming me and obviously using a bot and automation and have no care of other thing, other than just like getting on a sales conversation, you know, you're pretty much out. There's no chance that we are ever gonna do business together in any capacity. Right. Me too. My, my favorite one that I actually did reply back, someone wrote me, we connected. And then the next direct message I got was all about selling me this program. That's going to help me lose weight. Oh. It was incredible. So my comment back to them was what about me makes you think I'm fat? <laughs> I said, and I'm not being particularly defensive here, but I want you, and I attached, I said, I want you to look at all of these pictures. These are all recent pictures. Okay. You tell me if I need your program. Mm. And I said, because maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I am. I don't think I am because I know what I weigh and I how tall I am and I know I'm not but and there's but it was like it was yes it was a just a bot sending out you know here I, I we know you really want to lose weight <laughs> it's like really you know that huh okay yeah and um, that's, that's an interesting topic right because even bot or human I think it's common that a lot of salespeople make assumptions like, uh, you know, assuming everybody needs my product, everybody needs what I have, everybody wants what I have. Um, yeah. And that's not the case. Sorry. I mean, 
you know, you got to do some homework. You got to do some research. You got to be curious. You got to ask the right questions. You can pique people's interest to then ask us some questions to then identify like, okay, do you know, it's, it's, it's the discovery process or the qualifying process is just as much for the prospect to see if you could help them as it is for the seller. Like, is it worth me spending my time with you? Because can yes. I genuinely help you? And do you value that? Yes. Screening and qualifying is definitely a two way street. Um, I don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste my time. Time is um, very precious to all of us. And um, we can, in one or two questions, uncover if there is a good fit. And honestly, uh, oh, this was some years ago. I got an incredibly good lead and turned into a good piece of business from someone I never did business with. And they were a pretty much of a cold contact. We had a little bit of a conversation. And after a minute or two or three, we realized, you know, what I have not right for you. And this is, you know, it's really good talking, mutual mm -hmm. respect. We like each other. And then about three or six months later, I get an email from someone saying, hey, so Colin um, suggested I give you a call. I'm thinking, wow, so this is awesome. So if you do it right, you can even turn those people into fans, yeah. You know, they can be just because they're not going to be a piece of business doesn't mean they can't be a referral source, um, an information provider, a resource you can use. Mm -hmm. We're so we have these blinders on that it has to equate to an immediate dollar sign. And I think if you sell something particularly that has a long sales cycle, the word immediate has to be taken out of the equation altogether. And your big quandary is, and people suck at this too, is let's say your sales cycle is six months, eight months, 12 months, two years. How do you make sure that your prospects and your referral sources, to tell you the truth, and your networking contacts, don't forget who the heck you are? Mm. How do you make sure that three months after the time that you had this little song and dance, that they that they forgot you? So you have to, it's cliche, how do you stay on the grid without, I mean, you tell me, Colin, if I'm trying to sell you and it's a long, 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 long sales cycle and every month you get this call and an email and go, hey, I'm just touching base. Hey, I'm just checking in. You probably, after two of those, maybe three, if you're a very patient guy, are going to not be that interested because I'm not adding any value to the relationship. So you have to add value to the relationship even before there's that buyer-seller relationship. You have yeah. to add value. It has to be um, you either have to potentially help make an introduction to someone who can be beneficial to them. You have to invite them to something, invite them to an event, a, a, a meeting, a networking thing, invite them to something that whether you're attending or not, but you know has high perceived value, or you share information, not bullshit information, but information that's actually relevant to their business or their private life as you might have learned about it in the course of talking to them. A link to a TED Talk, a link to a newsletter, a link to another person who um, you feel would be very beneficial for them. 
and put people together that way or send them information that way. So when they get an email or a text or a message or a call from you, it's not because you're checking in for some self-serving reason, which means give me business, but you're actually doing something that could be of help to them. Mm. All right. Yeah. There's so many things in there I want to talk about. So let's start where you said, you know, people are looking for that immediate result, right? Like those dollar signs. My good friend, Larry Levine likes to call it, you know, sellers that act this way, you know, have commission breath, right? And your, your prospects, your spots, your prospects can smell your commission breath, even through the phone. So, so because it's just so bad. Um, and, and, And what it, what it, what it basically boils down to is people in sales, treating their relationships transactionally um, and yeah. not treating them like people and not trying to add value. And, and I love what you said is, you know, the, 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 the relationship that you developed, it wasn't a good fit, but it was a good experience enough to where that person felt comfortable referring you business, even though yeah. they didn't even do business with you, which is highly unusual. Um, and, and, it, and it boils down to something that I love to tell people that I work with. It's like, Hey, this is the goal in everything that we do, regardless if you do business together. So it doesn't matter what the outcome is. Maybe we do business together. Maybe we don't. Maybe we do business together. And for some reason, we stop doing business together. The result is to make sure that they have a good experience, regardless of the outcome. Um, And that's what people need to be focusing on. And exactly what you said, some of the examples, like, you know, give them a link to a TED talk, give them a link to a blog article, see how you can add value. Maybe it's not, doesn't make sense to do business together, but why not try asking them, Hey, how can I help you? You know, us doing business together is not a good fit, but what sort of relationships are you looking for? That way, if I come across them, you know, maybe I can connect you. Um, And, and that's the type of attitude that's going to take you to the next level as a seller when you're just constantly focused on adding value and helping others. And you'll experience these things like, you know, people sending you business that you've never even worked together. Um, Another really simple, easy hack is like, if you're in sales and you're not using sales navigator, you need to be. Um, And one easy thing to do is just to put those people on a list in sales navigator and just engage with their content. When they throw something out there, give it some support, add some thoughtful comments. And that's a very easy, simple way to stay top of mind with folks. Totally, totally. Um, That's the thing. We are all saying top of mind. We are all so busy. We have so many things going on every day in all the disparate parts of our life. Many of us have multiple businesses. So it's not just one business you're keeping track of, but multiple businesses. Um, You have family, you have friends, you have hobbies, you have other things that you do. So it's it's a full, robust day and life. Awesome. Those are all positive, wonderful things. But if you... If you take the time to open these doors with people and don't actually walk through into the room, you kind of wasted your time right at the door if you weren't going to see it 
through in any way, shape, or form. Now you have to you have to automate it a little bit, meaning you have to have um, for instance, if you've got people in your sales funnel and you've contacted them and they've fallen, you know, a quarter of an inch and you contacted them the first week in January doing all your little January, oh, welcome to the new year. And are we glad we got rid of that horrible year before? Um well, probably if nothing's happening the next three weeks in January, you're going to want to talk to them in early February. And you prioritize. You may not need to talk to everyone in early February, but a certain percentage you do based on marketing intelligence that you've gathered or the um, uh, likelihood of the sale in that time period or the sales worthiness or whatever criteria you use. But you're not going to start talking about, well, aren't we glad that year's over again in February? I mean, that's a little old news. So you're going to have to have something you want to you want to talk about. So, you know, whether you even talk about a post that you saw that they did on LinkedIn, one that you might have commented, but reference it again. I did this today and the person was so flattered maybe is the right word. I said, you know, I know I commented on your article about, but I got to tell you, it really got me thinking about my own profile. I, I, I think I have to work on that a little bit more. I think it's a little, it's a little weak. And, and you pointed out specifically where, not mine specifically, but in general with others. And I said, that was great. I'm so glad you included that. And they, they were thrilled. I mean, they posted it. I commented on it, but I actually referenced it in a conversation. So whatever and you do, stay on the grid. And, and, and there's something that's really important about what you did there, right? Because the way that you referenced that and the level of detail, right, and the, how specific you got um, shows that you actually, you actually <laughs> yeah. gave a shit, right? So you can pretend to give a shit, and then you can actually right. give a shit. And people know, a dif know the difference between that. And you know what? It's not easy to give a shit about a lot of people. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. People, you know, I, I like TED Talks a lot. I really do. And there are some that I find incredibly valuable, you know, and I've used them as links many times because I can, I can see them over and over again. They've made big impact on me. And I always talk about how it how it touched, which part touched me and how I changed some of my behaviors. Because people do this. They'll send a link to something. They never watched it. They never listened to it. They never read it. They know nothing about it. And it's like they just send the link. And so every once in a while I go, what part of that did you really um, agree with? Because I found myself kind of disagreeing with a lot of what they said. And they're like, uh-oh. You know, some people play it a kind of coy. I can't say they don't watch the whole thing, but they'll say, look at two minutes in <laughs> when the person says this. So I said, oh, you're really focused. You, you watched it two minutes. But um, it is work. What it did is you think hard. about the last two minutes of the, what did you think about the last two minutes of the talk? Tell me more about that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. funny. And I'm mostly I, I, I think it's a new year thing when I actually answered the person that what made about, what about me made me look fat to them. I felt like I was on a dating site. <laughs> it's like not LinkedIn. Like, were we going out? 
Yeah, yeah. There's a, I've gotten some of those messages, um, and and they they're a little offensive because you're like, you know, especially if you're in a good place and comfortable with your weight and your health, and you've been doing what you feel you should be doing, and then somebody sends you a message like that, you're like, come on, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you can you can ask a question to pique somebody's interest rather than just assuming everybody wants to lose weight. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I, unfortunately, in our fat obsessed society, there's a, probably a very good chance that well, fat obsessed society, and really whatever the percentage is of people who really do have to lose weight for health reasons, um, you probably, it's not so much like throwing a dart out there, but you've, you almost have somebody holding your hand and putting it in the wall because the numbers are so in your favor. But yeah. um, I don't know. It is a lot of work. It's, it is. And people are um, looking for a quick fix and, and um, it's a combination of being, I think being needy, a little bit being lazy, a little bit about not really having a work strategy to help you be productive and to help you be on top of it all. Um, and you do. I, I mean, you have to be productive. If you're somebody who, um, I don't know if you know Josh Kerpel. Um, Scott, I put Scott and Josh together, and I'll put you together with him. He's a very, very interesting guy. But he, and he has a very interesting accountability software platform that I've mm. participated in as a beta. And what I discovered about myself is I don't really actually need that. I really don't. Um, I'm my biggest taskmaster. Um, I drive myself hard and efficiently. So, um, and it comes from my mother, watching my mother run her life, single mom, having to juggle everything, uh, yeah. widowed of very young age, doing all that stuff. And it just, you know, I, I saw how you just do these things sequentially and you keep chipping at certain things. And I just had to put throw a whole lot in the air and just, you know, not everything is always at the 100 percent, but nothing's at, you know, nothing falls to the ground. Everything you're do doing it, everything is in a way that you feel proud about what you're giving out. And you just do it. But there are a lot of people who, and I, I'm well in favor of accountability partners, software that does it for you. Anything that you need or can avail yourself of that'll help you be more successful in what you've set out to do. Because sales can be kind of lonely depending on um, how much of a sales team you're a part of. Um, if you're a solopreneur, and your chief cook and bottle washer, um, sales can be very lonely. Really can, because you, you're going to suffer. You're you're going to suffer from people saying, "No, don't need it, don't want it." Mm. You have to get past so. It. I think a couple things that stood out right is is knowing yourself. You know, um, do you need you know what what do you need or not need to be accountable and 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 having a strategy to being productive, right? Like for me, um, it's easy to get stuck in social media and spend too much time there. Um, but it's also something, and it's also on the other side, it's also easy to not do it, right? 
So for me, like my time on LinkedIn has to be scheduled in my calendar or I don't do it. And it gives me the space and the time to commit to doing it because it's on my calendar every day. Um, and so yeah. it gives, make sure that I have the time on my calendar to do it because I know how important it is. Um, and it gives me only, Hey, here's the amount of time that you have to spend on there. Um, so, you know, that's kind of an example for me personally. Um, but knowing what you need to do, um, having yeah. a strategy and, and having a you know system in place for that accountability, I think is so key. Yeah. Um, I found out during this pandemic, first of all, um, I work best when I have a, a tremendous amount to do. I'm real productive the busier I am. The less I have to do, the less, the more lazy I find I can get. Happily, I'm really busy, so I don't have a chance to get lazy. But because of the pandemic and because my whole schedule changed and because my running around through Manhattan and going to meeting, 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 everything is right here now, um, and there were days at the very beginning of the pandemic that I found that I didn't get out at all. Didn't get out, didn't get out, didn't get out. So I got my work done, but I was very um, cranky at the end of the day. Um, it, it, it's uh, It got to be too much of being in this, this office. So I have built into my schedule, and I am so rigorous about it, that every morning I do a three-mile um run or walk, depending on, on how energetic I feel. But it's, it's a guarantee. It does not matter what the weather is. And I'm in New York. So, you know, this is winter in New York. So no, it's no joke. There are lots, you know, global warming has given us warmer weather, but it was 28 the other morning and I got up. I know what I have to do, which means I have to have out the night before those sweatpants and the socks and the shirt and the sweatshirt. So I don't have to go hunting around for it in the drawer closets. So I just put on the clothes, blinders on, have a cup, I start the coffee. I put on my clothes. I have a half a cup of coffee or a gulp and I'm out the door. Too much time, too much time means that I will get lost in the um, the black hole of social media. I will check my social media in the morning. Off I go. Uh, see you later. I'm in LinkedIn land or I'm in Facebook or I'm on Instagram or whatever. Too much time will go on and then it'll be too late to do that walk. So I think yeah. you find what you're like you schedule LinkedIn if you have to schedule it. Find what times of day. I, I honestly don't necessarily like the, the the business pundits providing us with how they are pr productive and you follow it. So for me, I never found doing the hardest thing first was a great idea. I like to feel successful before I start tackling the stuff that's hard. I like to get a little bit of adrenaline going and do the things that, you know, for me, because writing is easy, I'll write a blog. I'll be typing away. And then maybe a little bit later on, I'm going to jump into what I don't necessarily like, QuickBooks, or um, something that doesn't give me that real feeling of reward because it's kind of painful as I'm going through it. Mm. And I think we try to mirror what people say is the very best strategy. I don't know. It may not be the very best strategy for you. 
Um, yeah. I know there are all sorts of psychological and all those. There, people way smarter than me will tell me why this, what I'm saying is wrong. Um, but I can't help but see that there are, oh, get up super early in the morning. Get up super early in the morning. And I happen to be a super early person in the morning. But I know people, if you try to get their butt out of bed before 9 or 10 in the morning, forget it. It's just not going to work. And, and they don't care if Elon Musk said that the best hours are 5 a.m. They don't care. They can't do it. So yeah, this kind of makes me think a little bit, right? So we're talking about strategy and accountability, right? Which are important pieces for sellers, right? And it's what you're saying is, which I totally agree. There's not one, there's no silver bullet. There's no one size fits all. Um, it would be the equivalent to like a sales manager thinking that they can, you know, manage every single person the same way. Um, and it just doesn't work, right? You've got to find what's true for you. A sales manager is good at motivating people and finding out what makes them tick and tapping into that. Um, and that's different for everybody. Um, so I think, you know, really, you know, taking stock of what works for me, what doesn't, um, committing to that and, and being consistent are some of the essentials, uh, in my opinion. Um, but, but I love that, you know, and yeah, if you're not early person, that's fine. Uh, I personally am. That's what works for me. I like to get in early, get out early and go spend time with my family. Um, but maybe you prefer to, you know, wake up and spend time with your family in the morning and then work later, whatever, exactly. whatever works your lifestyle that's going to make you be your best self professionally or as a seller um, is, is what you, what you got to do. And, you know, I'm a big believer in order to do better professionally, I got to invest in myself more personally, meaning getting proper sleep, eating healthy, having time with my family, having a meditation practice, exercising, doing yoga, all of these things that I do so that I only have to work eight hours and I can just totally crush it when I'm here. Right. Yeah. You, yes, that, that cliche of burning the candle at both ends, right. Would yeah. probably everybody's caregiver, mama, dada, somebody said that to them when they were in their uh, teenage years and were, you know, out till three in the morning and expecting to be smart in school at 7am. Um, mm. Yeah. You, ha you have to, you have to have self-care. You really do. You're, you're, if, if at any point in time, what we're going through now with COVID um, should make us all very aware of how important it is to be strong and healthy and build your immune system and do all the things you need to do because the other cliche, which really holds true now, is you got nothing if you're not healthy. You can't do anything well. Forget about selling well. You can't do anything well. You have to have that. And and you and you have to own your own. You know, there are people who who have style of sales. So, you know, I'm a sales trainer, sales consultant. I go into companies and I work with sales teams. And every once in a while, there's someone on the sales team whose style makes me kind of sick. I can't believe this is like effective. And then I'll look at their stats. I'll go into Salesforce and I'll go, holy shit, they're like the top <laughs> producer. And sometimes I'll talk to their sales manager and go, what's with Colin? How, are these numbers 
accurate? Because I'm like freaking out working with him. And, and they'll go, uh-huh. <laughs> every once in a while, there'll be somebody who you'll think is um, too aggressive. Or there'll be somebody who... Um, this and I, I have the per, picture of the person in my head. I thought their style, style of selling it was a guy was so sexist, and mm. almost to the point where I think if they were trying to sell me, I would have like filed a lawsuit. I mean, I just thought it was horrible. Yet they were incredibly successful. Their numbers were amazing. So um, I think you have to. Sales is one of those things you have to be true to yourself. Um, and come to this place where you feel, where you have the skills, but you bring the skills forward in a style that's true to you. Oh, authentic. That's a, kind of an overused word these days. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I really was holding myself back from saying it, but it's true. Um, you can't make me do it another person's way and have me feel comfortable within and when you're in yeah. sales, don't you have to really be comfortable within? You do. You're very vulnerable. Yeah. You have to be comfortable somewhere. Which is, you know, which is some people are so uncomfortable with scripts, right? Yeah. Scripts are necessary when getting started in their guide. But, you know, you really got to have your own style, your own flavor, your own flair, or, you know, kind of make it your own to feel comfortable um, once you understand, you know, what are the goals on the call or what are the goals in the discovery of the demo or whatever your sales process looks like, you know, they're kind of a guide, but you shouldn't live or die by the script. Totally. Totally. If you, if you're doing that, you're sounding ro awfully robotic and you just may as well record your presentation and press send and then you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Adrian, it's been a lot of fun having you on here. Uh, really appreciate, um, having you on and interviewing you a second time here. Uh, tell folks where they can learn more about you, connect with you, um, and we'll close it up. Sure. So easiest way is um, I'd say email because I have a bunch of websites. Well, adrianmiller.com is a website, but amiller at adrianmiller.com is my email. I'm pretty responsive to that, but Adrian has to be spelled A-D-R-I-A-N because a lot of people spell it this three or four ways. Um, that's usually the best way. Um, happy to, I have a book called The Blatant Truth. Dot com. It's actually the blatant truth, 50 ways to sell success. If you go to the blatanttruth.com, you can um, get a free download of the book. It's a very cool 50 ways. Uh, each chapter is about two to five pages on 50 different uh, required skill sets to be effective. And I hope that helps. Very cool. Yeah, we will include all that in the show notes. If you're listening Great. to the podcast, subscribe, share with your friends, write us a review, and we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out, and if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.